I'll turn your page over and look at this. Peter's method. Peter was preaching on the street corner in a very public place was the way Peter drew the attention of the crowds. And he was a, what we call a high eye. He was an influential type of a person, but he was a talkative individual. He was always saying some things that he didn't need to say. But when he did say something that he needed to say, he was that way too. But God used him in a great way. And so the street preaching as they pass by, or as I have down here, uh, like our Friday night soul winning is done, and booths that can be set up at fairs, it's getting out where the people are and where you can do it. We will not get the job done only inside of the four walls of a church. It's going to be where you live. And everybody needs to have some kind of a contact with somebody that you can witness to. If we was to go by only those people that came into these doors and trusted Christ the Savior here, that's not going to be very fruitful. I'd like to believe that all of our people are spreading the gospel and sharing and will find a ministry like they're doing in the night there or tomorrow night or the Friday night soul winning or whatever. These are ministries and just like whether it's the internet. I've gotten letters, some of them I've shared them with you, of people who have trusted Christ as Savior by simply watching online. And when I do the little wallet illustration, there's people that trust Christ as Savior because of that. And on the radio, the same thing. So we thank the Lord for all the opportunities that He gives us. I'll look at number six, Paul's method. Go where they are. Some people will come to you. Sometimes you have to go to them. Go where they are and engage them in conversation was Paul's method of evangelism. And most of the time, wherever he went, he'd find a synagogue and he'd go there and he'd preach. And it's either a revival or a revolt, but he, something happened. Some people loved him and wanted to worship him, and then some people wanted to kill him. And that might be one of your experiences you may have one of these days, too. Number seven, Lewis and Unix method. This is Mama and Grandma. Mama and Grandma. Well, what did Mama and Grandma do? Anybody remember without reading the scripture? What did they do? Nobody knows. Huh? Timothy, yes, and then chapter 1, yes. But it's talking about that even from a child thou hast known the Scriptures because somebody was teaching it. So mama and grandma are working together and helping to teach. The Roman Catholics say that if they can have your child until they're 7 years old, they'll keep their child. In other words, they can indoctrinate them so well and this is why you'll find out a lot of communist countries, uh, they want the children so they can indoctrinate them. I would be fearful of what all the government wants to do, and it gets lower and lower and lower where they get the children, and it's slowly going to become an indoctrination to the children. And then parents will wonder whatever happened to their kids because humanistic philosophy being sowed into the minds of the children, and it's going to be a devastating thing. So... It's good, reach the children. Like I said, the Bible makes this statement. Just look over there. I want you to see this in Timothy. And notice there, let me see if I got the right idea here. In 1 Timothy in chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, 
There was a reason why God says that the woman was to be in subjection. In verse 11 of chapter 2, Let the women learn in silence with all subjection in all things. But I suffer not a woman to teach her nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. So that means they can do a lot of teaching in a lot of areas, in a lot of ways, and I don't have no problem with it. But to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing, if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. A woman, though she cannot teach the men, can teach the children. So it's very important for women to learn the Word of God and how to teach the Word of God so that they have a greater ministry in the lives of children. And whatever the woman does, do you remember that those little boys and those little girls, they grow up to be men and women. And the women can mold a nation if they can mold the child. And that's why putting truth into the man. And this is how a woman has a, a greater ministry, actually, than what a man can have. If they will diligently, faithfully, consistently teach the children. So anyway, just wanted to pass that on to you. Uh, look back here at your notes. This is a good one. You've got to turn to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. This is, was the beginning of the bus ministry. The book of Mark and chapter 2. You might not have known that the bus ministry was even in the Bible. But here in the book of Mark, and look there in chapter 2, in verse 1. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. Straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. So here's four people, four wheels, on this litter. And they was carrying this guy because he couldn't get there and he couldn't get in. And when they got there, they couldn't get him to the Lord. So what did these ingenious people do? Well, they created a crane. Maybe that's where the first crane came in. But look what he says here. And so in verse 4, and when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered, because see, you didn't know the press was there. Uh, that was Fox News and NBC and CBS and all of them. They were all there. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed therein, the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now, here's a method. How can we get some people to the Lord? Well, everybody got to find a way. And this was a difficult way. Well, there was too many people, but they had to find a way. Now, what if those four had not had the concern for that one person? Chances are that one person couldn't have got there on their own. They needed somebody who cared, somebody with some compassion. Somebody would give them some of their time, and somebody was willing to do a little, well, creative thought. Let's just tear a roof off the house. Now, if that isn't reckless abandonment of faith. You see, you, you don't do that. Oh, yeah? 
Well, they did that. And doing that, they brought a man to Christ. Now, you've got to find a way that works best for you. Maybe tearing roofs off a of house is not your, not your thing. But there ought to be something, a way, a method that you believe this is a, a better ministry for me. And you ought to find a ministry, a way. And people who work together can get more things done. Now, if it was left up to just one of those men to get that, he couldn't have done it. It took four of them to carry him. And that's why you've got to have people to come and help. You know, if we didn't have enough helpers, nothing would get done. It's not always the man on the top. It's all those workers that make it possible. It's not a one-man show. It takes a lot of people working together to get a job accomplished. Look at number nine. Number nine. Uh, you've got to look in Acts chapter 7. Look in Acts chapter 7. Now, this one is really good because he only got to preach, as far as we know, one really good sermon. How many other ones we're not really sure about, but um, he wasn't doing too good. People didn't like him too well. And he said some things that were pretty strong. And so, um, just uh, look first of all in chapter 6 and look up there in verse 8. When you talk about Stephen, what was his method? Well, God just told him to preach. And that's what he did in verse 8. And Stephen full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Pretty good so far. So it went down here, though, in verse 11, Then they suborned men, which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. They stirred up the people. They stirred them up. They caused people to be angry with somebody. Listen, if you're going to serve the Lord, there are people who are willing to stir people up and turn them against you. Over the years, 50 years, I have done my dead level best to always maintain my integrity, to do right. I don't care what. With anybody, I've always tried to maintain top priority is my integrity. I like to say what I mean and mean what I say and, and be honest with everybody that I deal with and not to lie and things like that. And God been my witness. That has been my goal. And I have a clean conscience. But did you know that there's people that will still say things against me and about me and try to destroy me? And some of these things I've shared with you over the years. But I mean for 50 years? You think, well, why don't they quit? Because there's somebody behind the scenes. And a lot of times people don't know what they're doing. Remember when Jesus was on the cross, he says, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. They don't know what they're doing. They're like sheep, and they become a mob because somebody turns them against them. That's what you get. But look there in chapter 7. In chapter 7, and look in verse 1. Then said the high priest, and here's these words, Are these things so? So now he has an opportunity. Somebody asked a question. Why do you do what you do? Why do you believe what you believe? Isn't it good when sometimes somebody will ask you a question? Now, you and I know he answered the question, but it's evident they didn't like his answers. Did they like his answers? <laughs> Look what he says there in verse 54. When they heard these things, okay, they asked the question, he gave them an answer, and when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven, saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. 
And he says, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord, cast him out of the city, stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Anybody know who Saul was? That was Paul. And he says, Into thy hand I commend my spirit. Now, he preached a great sermon. He was asked a question. He answered the question. But they didn't like his answer. And you and I have to know, do we believe what we say we believe strong enough to suffer the consequences? I believe there's a day coming on down the road. But look at number 10. Jude's method. Jude wrote a book, a little one. But it was mainly because he said, I'm going to write unto you. I got a thing I want to share with you about the common salvation a gospel tract is an open letter telling of the gospel. So there's always a, a job to do. Number 11, Apollo's method. Now, he was taken by Priscilla and Aquila, and they were, he was taught better. He was a good speaker, great orator, but uh, he needed a little help. But there's some people that are very good at public speaking. Uh, I like the idea, and I wrote it on here. This is a great way for our college kids to go to Christian schools or to the homeschool convention. Peter's going to be taking our young fellows, and they're going to be going to the homeschool convention. And they are going to be talking to individuals about college and what college can do for you, why it's such a good thing. But you see, you've got to have a way to present whatever it is we're supposed to be presenting. What's the purpose behind it? Is it we just want to get students? No, we want to get people who want to get a job done. We want to train those who want to get something done to do something. We don't want to waste our time. Now, we won't take the time to look at this one because it's house-to-house -house method. And in the book of Luke in chapter 10, it talks about how he sent out 70 of them, two by two. So that means that there were 35 groups that went out. And he told them, whatsoever house, whatsoever city. See, it didn't matter what house. It didn't matter what city. Just go. But whatever house, this is what you do. Whatever city, this is what you do. But he told them. So you and I, see, have a lot of freedom within a boundary of the will of God. That God gives to us opportunities to be creative. To decide what kind of a ministry would I like to have. What would I like to do. What is that desire that I have. Maybe you don't like some of the ones that I've even mentioned, and, but, yeah, but, but what is yours? What is the way that you think God can use me to do this, or God can use me to do that? And you think about those things. So I have down here also the message is used effectively by Baptist churches, door to door. I've been in a lot of Baptist churches, and a lot of them have sowing in on Thursday night. Usually it's always on Thursday night. Now some of them may change a little bit, but most of the time it's on Thursday night. And there's nothing wrong with going soul winning on Thursday night. I was up there at Tom Malone's church in Pontiac, Michigan one day. And me and Betty was going through there. So we thought we'd stop in. And it just happened to be on a Wednesday night. And they were going to have, no, Thursday night. And they were going soul winning. So um, Tom Malone had his son. And so uh, I thought I'd just go with him. And Tom Malone, he sp speaks at uh, Jack Hauser's place. And he spoke over there for Dr. Lee Robertson's place. And so he was well known in the sword the circles. And uh, so I just went with them, and it was his son. And so I said, I'll, I'll go with you. So I'm 
going in. I just thought, I'll, I'll watch and learn, see what exactly what he does. And so after we went and a couple of visits, and he's sitting there with this older couple, and in their house, we had knocked on the door, and we went in. He had a, a card. Somebody wanted to go by and visit him, so we did. But when we went in, he starts talking to him, and he had him right there. And he says, would you pray? And he wouldn't do it. And so he asked the lady, would you pray? She wouldn't do it. I thought, oh, boy. They want to trust the Lord. They will, but he wants to make them pray the sinner's prayer. Now, I've done that. But if they don't want to do that, then you use backup plan. And uh, I says, um, do you mind if I just share with him? He said, sure, go ahead. So what I did is I reached back in my pocket. And I pulled out this little magic wallet. It's a magic wallet. And I says, let this sin represent you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin. Everybody does things wrong. Now, you know, when you put a wallet in your hand, people watch. Because they don't know what you're going to do. I say, God loves us. I say, God loves you. Now, he hates your sin. And everybody's a sinner. I am, you are, we are. Everybody's a sinner. Nobody's perfect. We've all done things wrong. And they've nodded their head. Yeah. It's easy to lead them to the Lord if you can get them agreeing with you. So you say some things they can't agree with. God loves us, hates our sin. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from the Lord in a place called hell. But God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, you have to be perfect, as righteous as God. None of us are. So we've all come short. So God says, you can't make up the difference. You can't make it up. There's nothing you can do. So God says, you can't save yourself. So this hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us. Hates our sin. Because our sin separates us from the Lord. So what Christ did is he took all of our sins. Paid for it on the cross. Came back from the dead. He said if you would believe that he did it for you. He would put that payment to your account. And you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. Now the preacher's son is sitting right there. And he's, he's watching this. And he didn't say a word. He's just watching and I got through, and I says, does that make sense to you? They both shook their heads. Yes, it does. I says, understand this. If you will believe that what Christ did was for you, that he paid for your sins, that means that your sins are paid. And if you'll believe it, that payment is put to your account. You get to go to heaven because you won't have any sins to pay for. I said, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, I do. I says, now, if I was to offer you my watch and you accept it, what would you have? Set a watch. And I had my Bible. Now I said, if I offered you my Bible and you accepted, what would you have? You know, a Bible. I said, if Christ walked in here right now, offered you eternal life and you accepted, what would you have? Smile and said, eternal life. I said, if it's eternal life and all your sins are paid, I said, where would you go when you die? He said, I go to heaven. I said, do you understand what I'm saying? He said, yes, I do. I said, will you right now, will you trust Christ as your Savior? He said, yes, I will. And so I didn't have him pray. I asked her the same thing, and she trusted Christ as Savior. So I had a word of prayer with him afterwards. And on the way home, he says, I've never seen that before. I says, it's something that I use all the time because it makes it clear for the lost man. So that's going to a house where the people are there, and you're going to meet them. Number 14, James Method. And this was... When he, even when he met them there in Galatia, and he says, um, 
Paul made this statement. He said they were just considered, if I would consider the, you know, the poor and things like that and hospitality. And so he was concerned about that. When you read the book of um, James in chapter 2, it makes a reference to the rich and the poor. And so there's certain people that just have a insight into other things that sometimes you may not be as sensitive to. You don't, you're not filled with that, that particular grace, and so you, you don't see it. And other people will. But everybody has a certain thing about them that God has built you and wired you a certain way, and you perceive things. Everybody don't see everything the same way. That's why everybody desires certain types of ministry. Some people are like me, confrontational, head on, right between the eyes. There's other people that says, not so fast, and they want to think it through a little bit slower. And they're concerned about how the person is going to accept it. And so they're, they're maybe a little bit slower, and they take a little bit more time. And then there's the bull in the china shop. <laughs> and I've had to learn how to be patient and hold back. And there's other people that need to learn how to be a little bit more bolder and to do something. Some people are scared to death. But remember this. He says, fear does not come from God. God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. So the fear doesn't come from God. It's because we have, it's unknown. We don't know how we're going to be treated or accepted, and we're afraid of rejection. Some people can't handle. If I offer you a track and you won't take it, it's a personal thing. Me, you don't take my track. I, I did what they do. I did a counter, and I offered the guy a track, and he said, I don't want to push it back. I pushed it back at him. He said, I don't want it. I said, but you need it. And I pushed it back. <laughs> he says, I don't need that. I said, yes, you do need it. He said, no, I don't. Yes, you do. <laughs> Sometimes they'll go ahead and they'll take it just to get rid of me. But some people don't always respond the way you think they will. So you have to keep that in mind. Uh, this last thing, I just wanted to show you this. And you can look at these scriptures later because it is important and it is the truth. Uh, number 15, down at the bottom, the prophetess method. Now, the Bible tells us about Philip, and he was an evangelist, and he had four daughters, and they prophesied. Now, when you look at these scriptures that are down here, the one in Exodus, and the one in Judges, and the one in First Chronicles, you'll find out that it also talks about them being prophetess, and it talks about them singing. They would sing the message, and God has nothing wrong with people singing a message to the people. When Moses had come, and they came through the Red Sea, and it says they sung a song, and it tells you the wording of it. So singing scripture, and then later on, when it talks about in Judges, and talking about Deborah, they sung, and it tells you they sung a song. And especially the ones in First Chronicles 25, when it talks about the, the singers, and it talks about certain people, and that were under their father, they were under their father. Under their father. And so the ladies would sing. And that was their ministry. But they would sing the word of God. So that's why I have done here. Because I have no problem with it. Proper music with the proper message can minister to the hearers. Over the years I have used the Spokesman, Eternity, International, Sound of Truth, Doug Stroop's group, and the Million Dollar Choir that we have here. And now the Unashamed. So... 
Can they do this? Yes, they can do it. And you'll find that when you go back there to Chronicles, where it talks about they were prophetess, and they would sing. And I believe that that is probably what he's talking about when Philip the evangelist, he had some daughters that went with him, and they would sing and minister. Do you realize how dull our services would be without music? Aren't you glad? Don't you enjoy listening to the choir sing? It does help when you have enough people in the choir to cover the parts. I love music. I love singing. And therefore, there are messages, the message that God's given us, but there's methods. What is the one you're using? Which one do you say, this is my particular ministry? Or do you just want to help in different ones? But whatever it is, don't you believe that every one of God's children should find a way to serve the Lord? I believe that in serving the Lord, it should be enjoyable. It shouldn't be a, a, a strain. It shouldn't be a, oh, I got to do this. And you just dread it. Because the joy of the Lord is my what? Strength. And a lot of people burn out because they don't have strength. And the reason they don't have strength is because they don't have joy doing what God wants them to do. And I believe it's so very important. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. I know there's many people that watch the broadcast. And so you that are watching, if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, or if you're here tonight and you've never trusted the Lord, you can listen to all these things. But the important thing is, is if you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? Do you know for certain you are going to heaven? And if you're not positive, right now in the quietness of this moment, would you just talk to the Lord? Because you can't make a mistake this way. Only the Lord knows what you're thinking. And just say something simple like this. Lord, I'm a sinner. Because everybody is. And Lord, I believe that when Christ died, I believe he died for me. And I'm going to trust him right now to take me to heaven whenever I die. I believe he paid for my sins. And friend, if he paid for your sins and you believe it, you don't have to pay for yours. Why? Because he paid for them. That's how come I know I'm going to heaven because I don't have any sins to pay for. Christ paid for all of mine. He did it for you, but the payment's not put to your account unless you believe it. So you can handle that. If all he requires is for you to believe it, you can believe him. Will you trust him? And if you're making that decision right now, say, yes, preacher, that made sense to me. I will trust Christ right now as my Savior, and I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Is anyone at all? I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you, but right where you are. Say, that made sense to me, and I'm going to trust Christ right now as my Savior, anyone at all, before we close. Yes, God bless you. I appreciate that. You can put your hand down. Anyone else? Anyone else? Or if you're watching by Internet, no, I can't see you, but you can trust the Lord right where you are because God sees. This is just simply you're telling God, I agree with what you said, Lord. I agree. I believe it. Father, we thank you so much for this time together, and thank you for the opportunity you've given us to serve you. Bless each one for being here. And also, especially for the one indicating that they would trust you as their Savior tonight. By doing so, they become your child. And you guarantee them the free gift of everlasting life. And you never cast them out, never lose them. And they can know that when they leave tonight, they can say, I'm going to heaven. Because tonight I trusted Christ as my Savior. He died for my sins. Bless each one. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.